Everybody, Luke McElroy from Mess Performance Consulting. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Joined today by Nick Jankoskis. Uh, today we're going to talk about detraining effects. So we had a question come through. Look, long story short, the, the guy who, who, who sent the question through hasn't been able to train properly for four months. So we just want to talk about uh, what happens to the body physiologically over the course of you know, two, three, or four months of, of doing essentially no training or very, very little training, both from the aerobic system and also the anaerobic systems. Um, so just quickly, Nick, I'll chuck to you, what are the main things that we're going to see from doing, basically being, let's say, peaked or close enough to reasonably fit yep. to doing absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing due to whatever your circumstances are? Yeah, it's a classic case of use it or lose it. So um, the, the main thing that, that was sort of explained in the, in the question uh, that, that came through was the instant notice that heart rate was significantly higher. Um, why is that a case if the heart's not under any sort of, I guess, training stress, so it's not continually being worked, there's nothing going on there. The heart at the end of the day is a muscle, so if we've developed the size of the heart to be able to pump more blood out per beat, so our stroke volume, as soon as that heart starts to shrink because there's no training effect and, and the muscle is basically, it's, it's like doing bicep curls, if you do heaps of bicep curls for a couple of months and you do nothing, you, your biceps slowly start to diminish, so a similar thing in the heart there, and the heart's just having to pump more frequently to get the same cardiac output, the same amount of blood pumped out per minute, so... It's the instant one that a lot of athletes will notice is heart rate will go up quite quickly um, for the same effort or the same activity. As a result, usually things like rating perceived exertion goes up, so you might be running it at whatever pace you'd normally run your easy run at, and it's now significantly harder, um, mainly from a cardiovascular perspective. But then some of the other things that do happen as well is we start to lose um, a few things in and around the muscle in terms of using the oxygen to keep it quite simple. So if we can't use as much oxygen in the muscle for that same activity, it's going to make it a bit harder, a bit more reliance on that anaerobic system. Um, so things like our ABO2 difference start to decrease a bit. Muscle can't just extract that oxygen out of the, out of the blood as effectively anymore. Um, might also have some, some influence into what's happening in terms of getting the, the, the oxygen or, or extracting the oxygen out of the lungs into the bloodstream in the first place. A little bit of that pulmonary diffusion might diminish a little. Um, it's really, everything starts to decline because like I said before, it's usually to lose it. So we, we, we see all of our responses to activity start to drop down below those levels because you just haven't trained. That's a, yeah. a real simple thing to do. Yeah, so, so I'm looking at a graph on my computer now, which uh, if you're watching this, uh, we'll put up a screenshot and I'll also link the video that I'm referring to now. But it, it show, it's, a, it's a, re uh, a research study which is showing the percentage of change um, from, from detraining. So if somebody who's reasonably fit doing absolutely nothing, like what is going to change and how quickly? Uh, and the key takeaway is after 12 days of, of no training, our stroke volume decreases about 10%. So stroke volume is, is how much blood the heart is beating out per beat. So if that drops 10%, your heart, yeah, it's a yeah. lot, your heart rate is going to go up to compensate. So your max heart rate, which is on this graph too, goes up about 5% within about 12 days. All right? So everyone's always about heart rate going up and down, but heart rate's only one half of the equation. Mm. As I said, in, in, in quite a number of podcasts in, in the last couple of weeks, seems to be a common trend at the moment is talking about heart rate, mm. is that heart rate is irrelevant really it's cardiac output cardiac output is stroke volume so how much blood per beat times by heart rate which is beats per minute so if your stroke volume comes down 10% your heart rate's going to come up a bit to compensate it but have a look if your stroke volume goes down 10% and your heart rate only goes up 5% do the math your cardiac output is going to be decreased you've got less blood so what happens really instantly within a couple of days and obviously 10% in 12 days is your heart's not going to shrink too much as a muscle just yet, but you're going to lose a lot of your blood plasma. So half of your blood is plasma and fluid and that sort of stuff, and you lose that quite quickly. Um, in that plasma, you're going to have things like oxidative enzymes, all these things that are going to help to, um, to turn oxygen into usable energy. We're going to lose quite a lot of that quite quickly. Um, other things that change in 12 days, we've got... Well, it has it on here as well. Uh, sorry, cardiac output is down about 7%, because right? stroke volume is down, heart rate's up. 
Um, VO2 max is down about 6 or 7%, which makes sense because VO2 max is your cardiac output times by your AVO2 difference, which is the oxygen extraction part. Well, hey, even if your oxygen extraction is the same, which it's not, it's a little bit down, but even if your oxygen extraction is, is similar, if your cardiac output is down, you're going to have a lower VO2 max. Um, it does take a little bit longer, according to this graph, for your AVO2 difference to change. We're talking more like sort of four weeks, four weeks and, and beyond. Um, but we definitely lose that cardiovascular stuff, yep. the stroke volume and the heart rate quite quickly. Um, so according to this, you know, you'd expect to decline about six or seven percent within about two weeks. It's not a lot, you know, so, and it's doing absolutely no training. We know that in the maintenance phase, if you can just do two reasonably high intensity sessions a week, that's going to maintain all these things. So it is important, unless you've got like a medical reason or a significant injury or whatever it is that you can't do any training. Um, when you do our off-season stuff, it is important just twice a week, Monday, Thursday, something yeah, like that, just to get out for a 20-minute yeah. hard, high-intensity effort to maintain these things. Um, but if you do have to completely stop your illness or injury or whatever it is, uh, yeah, we're going to lose a fair bit, you know, 6-7% mm. of your VO2 max in 12 days. Uh, it gets slower but still does decline. 56 days here, we're looking at about a 13% decrease in VO2 max, so that's quite a lot. 84 yeah. days, which is almost three months, we're looking at about a an 18 or 19% so that you can pretty much assume you're back to baseline, you know, yeah. given there's about a 20% scope, give or take for most people. Um, so it is definitely a case of use it or lose it. Uh, the reason this athlete has 10 beats higher heart rate is because their stroke volume is significantly lower, which means your cardiac output is going to be lower as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's the aerobic side. It is a bit of doom and gloom. You know, you, you lose, when you fit, you lose about four weeks of, oh, there's another slide on this video, which again, we'll link it, yeah. about four weeks of, of mitochondrial adaptation, which is what yeah. we're, we're aiming for. We lose that in about one week of no activity. Four yeah. weeks to get it, one week to lose it. Um, so that, that's where periodization of training is really important to, to mm. get the timing right because these things are di so dynamic they change very very quickly you get injured for two weeks and you're not back to square one but 10% stroke volume 7% VO2 max a significant yeah. change uh, so you've got to be really careful with your periodization um, on the anaerobic side you want to talk about the differences in, in how quickly you might lose your aerobic versus your anaerobic uh, adaptations yeah anaerobic's probably a little bit a little bit better in terms of like at the end of the day it's just you're not using oxygen, so we're taking out all this equation of like what the heart's doing, essentially what the what the muscle extracting in terms of oxygen. All these factors have taken a long time to develop and build. Um, and I guess a bit of a case study for how well you can sort of maintain, I guess, a bit of that anaerobic is when you did 2,000 watts and left it for a couple yeah. of months, came back and actually improved wattage yep. after a bit of recovery time. So you're not going to lose as as much or as quickly. You're probably going to lose a bit. Like if, if you're doing completely nothing, regardless yeah. if you're going aerobic or anaerobic in terms of your events and things like that, you're going to decline in performance if you just do zero for, for a period of time. But definitely, I, I guess, maybe talk to that, that 2,000 watt example of you went away, did a whole bunch of work in the gym, did a whole bunch of sort of sprint anaerobic type training to, to get the 2,000 watts, left it for, what, two months thereabouts? Probably more. Probably yeah. more. Yeah. Didn't do a lot and came back and had a very pretty sort of similar output just from the fact that the body didn't necessarily, I guess, lose anything. There's no pathway we're trying to trying to maintain there. The oxygen consumption isn't really doing anything for us. It's just you developed a bunch of muscle size and we're able to keep a reasonable amount of that. And then it was just the nervous system was doing a lot yeah. from a sprint perspective because um, we're just producing energy internally. Maybe it would have been a factor if we looked at your 30-second sprint. might have been a bit different in terms of tolerating some of that more extended fatigue. Which you could argue is, is getting into that aerobic Starting to become well, a more bit. aerobic the more aerobic you are, the better you can do those longer efforts. Um, but yeah, for the really short stuff, like if you're a 50 meter sprinter or 100 meter sprinter, it's got Harley just kicking in on the side. Go away, Harley. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, for that, for that really short that short stuff, it, it doesn't really do a hell of a like. It's not really going to decline a massive amount. Um, yeah. Over, over that time. And I, I think that's the key that the oxygen kinetic changes mm. versus the, the anaerobic. Whenever you're talking about oxygen, if you ever use oxygen, that stuff is going to change very very quickly. Whereas yeah. we, we, when you don't have to use oxygen, it it, it's a, it doesn't change as, as quickly. So I think yeah. it's close to like two or three months compared to like two weeks yeah. for your anaerobic. And I guess a good example is is when I did do the 2000 watts. I started at 1230, so my peak got to 1941 in that that three month block. Even now, I don't do any, I wouldn't say I do any anaerobic training. I just go out and do my general day-to-day stuff. I still use my legs, but I'm not going to the gym and doing heavy stuff. stuff, I'll still hit about mid-1700s. So I'm not hitting 1900, 2000, but I'm definitely not back to 1200, even though I'm not focusing on anaerobic. And that's, as you said, a lot of it is the neuromuscular stuff. My my brain still knows how to switch on the muscles. Yeah, you're better coordinated. I still have a lot of the muscle mass. I've definitely lost a little bit, and that's probably Mm. why I'm I'm at 1700 and not 1900. Uh, but it is a slower change when you talk about those anaerobic adaptations. Um, you don't have to worry about oxidative enzymes. It's really just brain turns on fast twitch fibre, contracts maximally. Yep. It's, it's reasonably... It's more of a simple process yeah. as well. Different when you talk about fuel stores and that sort of stuff. Like Because yep. if you reduce your muscle mass a little bit, that's going to change you know, your 10 second sprint time. But talking yep. about maximal force output, um, there's not too much change. So I guess in summary of what we're talking about there, the aerobic adaptations, you're going to lose it quite quite quickly so if you can unless you're really sick or, or ill or whatever you, you, you or injured sorry try to do you know two even one time a week but two times a week yeah. ideally of high intensity just 20 minutes even um to maintain a lot of those aerobic adaptations because four weeks on you lose it in about a week yeah. versus the anaerobic stuff don't get too stressed about it because it, it that takes a, a a fair while for you to get a reversal in that that being said if you do absolutely nothing the example i'll give is, is eliza who did her acl yeah. a year ago uh, she lost because she was on crutches for two months. So literally, one leg did absolutely nothing. We went to a new physio um, recently, who's like Mick Hughes. I don't know if you know Mick yeah, Hughes. Yeah, ACL, ACL guru. Yeah, yeah, ACL guru. Exactly. Because we'll see what we're yeah. getting. Um, so she did, even a year post op, almost a year post op, we did a, a, a right quad versus a left quad um, effort. But she's using a force dynam- uh, dynamometer. Yeah. 118 kilos on the left, 37 on the right. Like that's a that's a lot ridiculous yeah. discrepancy in in quad strength, mm. and that's the difference between me just being able to go out for a walk and a run and a jog, you know, even though it's not yeah. maximal effort, mm. versus doing absolutely nothing is significant. Now that's a prolonged period, but she would have been even weaker after three months yeah. post injury because like you could just see the muscle size yeah. just shrink. So not not only just the muscle size, but also the the, the she, her quad shakes because yeah, the brain yeah, doesn't know maintaining how to, that neuromuscular connection. Yeah, it doesn't well. know how to how to um, to apply. It. Uh, last thing we might touch on is, um, in terms of use it or lose it for the aerobic, it's not all doom and gloom. All the research shows that you keep your capillarization. Yeah. So you keep a lot of your structures in place. So your capillarization is basically the blood supply to the muscle. So your blood supply to the muscle maintains. You're just not getting as much blood around. Um, and you, uh, even the mitochondrial stuff, you know, the, the increased number of size and surface of mitochondria, you're still going to have them there. They're just not, they're not, they don't have as much oxidative capacity and all the enzymes associated with yep. it so it's not like you go do some aerobic training you build that base and then you go completely back to baseline you still have yep. the capillaries you still have quite a you still have the internal structures that, that take in and transport and consume oxygen yep. you just don't have the blood supply and the yep. enzymes associated with that so although you do lose your, your vo2 max quite quickly um it's almost like uh, you have an absolute baseline where you've got not much structures to do it. You go do your training and you yeah. increase your structures. Yes, your VO2 and your oxidative enzymes come down, yeah. but you've got a better base next time to then yeah. build on again and again. So um, it is certainly important to have a physiological rest and all that. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you, if you've got 
unlimited time to, yeah. to get back to, to peak fitness. You know, you can go and do absolutely nothing, but yeah. you know, if you take four weeks off doing doing nothing, it's going to probably take you mm. 16 to 20 weeks to feel anything, yeah, to back. feel good again. Um, so in summary today, aerobic versus anaerobic detraining. Um, within about 12 days aerobically, you're going to start to lose, you know, seven to ten percent of the things. After three months, it's you know closer to 20 percent. You can maintain that through sort of two times a week of high intensity activity. The anaerobic side, you will lose it, but not as quickly um, because it's instead of using oxygen, it's talking about muscle fiber size and, and the neuromuscular um, communication between the, the brain and the muscles as well. So, anything to add? No, I think just like highlighting the importance of that. The, the couple of high intensity sessions in a week. There's a lot of athletes who may not be doing nothing at the moment, but I know a lot have been asking about. Oh, I'm just going to go away and just do some long and build lots of base and lots of vol- lots of volume, which like is okay for a period. But just keep in mind that you're still going to go through this detraining effect if you just completely wipe out the high intensity. It's the same when you go into a taper. It's why we maintain intensity and drop the volume. So Correct. just highlighting that point from before for anyone who isn't necessarily going away and doing nothing. If you go away and doing something try to keep a little bit of that high intensity in because that's going to minimize some of this effect as well. Even though you're still training, it's that component of doing not having that high intensity that's still going to cause a bit of this decline anyway. Regardless yeah. of how much volume you go and do, you could still be doing 20 hours a week, but if, you, if you're not doing any of that upper intensity stuff, your top end will drop real quick. And maybe a discussion for a, for a future podcast, but you know, the research sort of shows that you know, just doing your continuous sub-max intensity stuff, your VO2 max plateau is about 60, which is good for most people. But yeah, it's only you improve up to about 60, but anything beyond that, you need something higher. You need a higher intensity stimulus. Yeah. So 60 for a lot of people is fantastic, don't get mm. me wrong, but it's right. not, you're not going to win. You're not, you know, most age categories, you're not going to win at 60. You know, you're no. going to need... Yeah, at least 65. Even if you're a 60 70, year old, you're going to need 65 VO2, and then, then above. Younger you know, categories are going to be 70 plus. 70 yeah. plus, exactly right. So intensity is super important to have in there. Uh, maybe we'll cover that in the future yeah. podcast. That'll do for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you on the next episode.